first day of the week, when the doors were locked, when the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst. And he said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so will I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive are forgiven them, and whose sins you retain are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Just a few moments, Evelina will be baptized. When she comes up out of the waters, she'll immediately be anointed with the chrism. When first we met she and her parents at the door, she was signed with the sign of the cross on the forehead. In another hour and a half, those gestures will be combined. The sign of the cross in the holy chrism on the foreheads of the 18 yet to be confirmed today. What is the church doing here? Why this peculiar dance moving from door to pew to font? Why do something when they're wee little and then something when they're bigger? And what about all these people that come in from the outside? We've been very privileged here at Christ the King this year to have such large numbers of people after sacraments. We had nine baptized and five more received into the church at the Easter Vigil. We all have 18 confirmed later today, this one and two more baptized, and that's not counting what happened yesterday. The church is calling us to something here more than just uh, rituals to keep ourselves in business. The work of the Spirit is subtle over the course of a lifetime. Just as this little one and her big brother, who did this not all that long ago, just as they will grow and change over the course of the next several years, and nascent abilities that are present in their bodies now, but they haven't figured out yet how to express, like how to walk and how to talk and how to think and how to play, just as the peculiar set of gifts and talents, will he be strong? Will she be loud? Will she be smart? Will he be creative? Just as those things will begin to manifest in time, so the gifts of the Spirit begin to manifest themselves in time. It's not that, that the Father and the Son come to the child at baptism, but we hold the Holy Spirit back till they're in high school. It is, rather, that the gift and the fullness of the gifts given in baptism only erupt, like pimples on a teenager's face, only erupt over the course of a long time. The language that'll be used when I confirm those people later today is be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Seal here does not refer to the animal of the zoo, though they are fun. It's one of these guys, right? A fancy stamp. 
And the reason for the church using this peculiar language is because these fancy stamps, a seal, like for the city or for the church, is the original multi-factor authentication sequence. So just like today, you go to log into your account on the internet and it sends a text to your phone, and if you don't get the text to the phone, it's gotta do something else and something else and something else to make sure nobody's watching on your Netflix account or using your credit card. So the church in ancient times realized it was necessary to authenticate messages. So you'd have a signature, we recognize one another's handwriting, and you'd have a seal. And the seal indicated both that the thing came from the person who sent it and also that the chain of custody was unbroken. An unbroken seal meant no one had read your message. What then does it mean to be sealed with God's Holy Spirit? The Spirit comes to the disciples at Pentecost, which is not simply uh, a Christian feast, but in origin, a Jewish one. It's the harvest of the first fruits and the memory of the giving of the law. This is very significant for us, for if we are to be sealed with the Spirit, then that means we must be sent like some sort of message. And the person who receives us needs to be able to see that the one who has clothed us, authenticated us, legitimized us, is the Spirit of God himself. So just like those apostles on that first Pentecost day, we are sent out the first fruits of God's harvest to be received by those competent to recognize the Spirit of God themselves. That is, those in whom God's Spirit already dwells. It's like this. The bishop or the priest who represents him examines Probes. This is the reason for the quizzes in the old days. Remember how afraid you were when the bishop would come and what he'd say? That's what that was about, right? The bishop is authenticating the faith that is already in you. Where the priest whom he sends is legitimizing, affirming, certifying the authenticity of the faith that is already in you. Now, it makes a kind of sense to do that with teenagers at times when they're beginning to understand things on their own. But make no mistake... No one confirms himself. We're not self-legitimating creatures, right? For that, it requires something outside us to make sure we're not simply head-tripping ourselves or, 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 or telling ourselves pleasant lies. That requires God's spirit of truth, the ability to discern right from wrong, not simply according to the natural law, but the law of God himself. You see, that's the reason the Spirit is given on the anniversary of the day that Moses gave the law. When God gave Moses the law and he presented it to the people, the Israelites became a nation. They now had an identity, a, a, a focal point, something that told them who they were. But the people God calls to himself from every nation and tongue of every people and place, those people will not be defined by a law. We cannot simply consist in a series of prohibitions. Rather, we will be defined by God's Holy Spirit. The law is not abolished. It simply becomes secondary. All the law could do at its best was constrain our behavior and prevent us from hurting one another. But God's Spirit can do much more. 
God's Spirit brings peace. Receive the Holy Spirit, he says. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Now, you might say, well, that's all well and good, Father, but we've got a baby to baptize here, and you're talking too long, and, and, and the confirmations are at the next Mass. That is true. And there are some among our number not yet confirmed. They should be thinking about this and what it means when their time comes. But for the rest of you, for those that have been confirmed, that wasn't a one-time event. Confirmation, like baptism, isn't repeated. Its effects are intended to stretch out over the whole course of your lifetime. So the question we need to be asking ourselves is, where do we see the Spirit of God manifest? Where do we sense the movements of the Spirit inside our souls? Last week, we spoke of the Ascension as the Feast of the Body, because our Lord ascended to heaven, bearing with him a human nature like our own. Today is, in a certain sense, the Feast of the Soul, for the Holy Spirit is the soul of Christ's church. Now, here's the question, Christian. What's the state of your soul? We know pretty well once a knee or an ankle starts acting up. We know what it's like when our feet hurt at the end of the day. But are you in touch enough with your soul stuff to be able to tell when things aren't working? And when they aren't, are you permitting that same spirit, which was given you at baptism, to drive you back to the confessional to receive the grace of reconciliation? Are you being open to the movements of the spirit to take you in new places and new directions? Maybe some you never thought about before. For those of us that aren't in our permanent, stable state of life, what is God calling you to? And could it be different, bigger, wilder than you ever imagined? The Holy Spirit comes in the upper room. That is, the cenacle, the dining room at which the Lord first celebrated the Holy Eucharist. That means that today we find ourselves gathered in an other upper room, just like those first disciples. And like them, we wait for the driving force of the coming Spirit. That Spirit will infallibly transform these gifts of bread and wine. The only question is, will we let that same Spirit transform us? in kind.